Welcome to Amplify, the personal brand entrepreneur show. Today on the show, Bob is speaking with Ash Borland. Make a podcast in that industry and reach out to all the key players you possibly can. And I've said this to people so many times. If you speak to one person a week for a year in that industry, only in that industry, you can change careers. Your entire world could be different. It would change your life. It's super powerful. Or there's also, you know, other benefits as well, like networking in the current industry. You know, there's so many different things, but it is, it's life-changing when approached with the right context behind it, I think. Hi there, and welcome back to Amplify, the personal brand entrepreneur show. My name is Bob Gentle, and every week I'm joined by amazing people who share what makes their business work. If you're new to the show, just take a second to subscribe. Now you've hit play, just hit the subscribe button. And if you're on an Apple Podcasts device, then it's the plus icon or the follow button. That way you won't miss a single episode. Before I jump into introducing this week's guest, just a quick reminder that after nearly 200 of these interviews, I've learned a thing or two about what makes business work online. And it turns out success leaves clues and I want to offer you a map. So head over to my website and grab your copy of the personal brand business roadmap. It's everything you need to start, scale, or just fix your expert business. And it's yours for free as a gift from me. Now, this week, I am really pleased to welcome Ash Borland back to the show. Ash is somebody that I actually didn't make that many notes in advance of the show because usually I spend probably 20, 30 minutes thinking, what am I going to talk about? But today I kind of know what I want to talk about because Ash is someone I've been watching online for quite a long time. He's somebody I really admire because he takes a courageous approach to content. That's a very rare and special thing. So Ash, welcome to the show. Bob, thank you so much for having me. This is like a highlight of my week. I love (laughs) talking to you. Your voice, the way you are, just everything about as a podcaster is just like a calming hour of my time. I'm so excited. A lot of people have said, oh, you need to bring more energy. You need to bring more energy. And I tried. It doesn't work. I think I've just accepted into settling into being the nighttime DJ of podcasting. I think you I think you should keep it going. I think it's wonderful. <laughs> you have one of the most amazing voices. There's you. You have a wonderful, like you say, relaxing, feel like, like you say, a nighttime drive voice. And then there's like Alex Curtis, who's a mutual friend of ours. He's got the similar voice, which is just like the proper radio voice. Um, <laughs> and I just have a mumbly, low-tone voice that no one can understand. <laughs> I'm actually starting to think I, I read, really need some lo-fi over the top yes. to just set it off. I, think I, I have might. a bit of lo-fi here. I play it, but we, we'll ruin the show. <laughs> okay. So for the listener who doesn't know you, why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are, where you are, and what you do, and then we can jump into a few little rabbit holes I've got planned. Of course. Yeah, no, I won't give you my life story because there's nothing worse than that, is there, when you get on a show and you think, God, I've got to cut that all out. So that's great. So I will um, give you a bit of a brief overview. So yeah, guys, my name is Ash. I am a, I'm a content marketing consultant and also a podcasting coach, expert, enthusiast. It's kind of a funny one right now. I'm figuring that out, which I'm sure we'll dive into. Just obsessed with podcasting, content marketing. I have two businesses. I run a successful content marketing consulting kind of business, which allows me to consult people in the financial services sector on how to plan and scale their, their businesses through content. But my real passion, my my real hobby, my real love is is content myself and building my own brand. And that has really ended up by coaching people and through YouTube and through podcasts on how to podcast themselves. And it's, it's weaved a really weird journey to get to that point. But now I very much feel like I'm in my stride. So that that is me in a nutshell. 
I think one of the things that's been really interesting with you is once upon a time, you were a mortgage broker. And where you are now is a very, very different space. You're working, what would you call this? In the media, let's call it that. It's yeah at the, the fringe online end of the media, but it's the part of the media that's probably most accessible to most people. But a lot of people in that transition, they would they'd feel a bit alien. It would just feel like a big stretch. And you have blasted through that lightning quickly, going from mortgage broker, not that long ago, wearing a suit and tie, to Ash Borland, very comfortable in his own skin on camera in a t-shirt with the best haircut of heroes, I should say. <laughs> if you're listening on audio, Ash and I have the same dramatically heroic haircut. But that's, a lot of people see that from the outside, but I'm very curious to know what that's been like as a personal journey. How has that been for you? Do you think it's finished yet? It's absolutely not finished. It is, it's interesting, you know, you say like, like that. I was chatting to a friend about this literally last night. We went for for some food and he, you know, he went to college with me and, he, and he, I turned up and he said, gosh, you're an entirely different person. And it's been a real journey. It's been a journey of self-discovery and it's been a journey of, and I was literally talking to a client about this before saying there's a moment where you have to step out and truly own who you are. And if I'm really honest, that didn't happen till it was happening when I first met you. I was trying to do it, but there really became a moment and it's never easy, but there came a moment about a year ago where I was like, I can really do this. Like I can really do this. And not, and, and it came from actually meeting some very successful business owners who were content creators. They weren't business owners. Cause that's the thing I was, they weren't business. They were, they were content creators first. They were YouTubers. And I remember thinking, wow, if you can do this, like I can, I can really do it. And, but so why am I not? And that was a, that was really hard. And that took, and I'm going to be honest, that took six months of battling within that to go, why am I not? What am I doing? Why am I not being consistent? I was being consistently inconsistent by creating consistent content. That sounds really yeah. like weird, but it was more, more is more, more is more. And it was just, it just wasn't really working. That's that was hard. So it's been a real journey, you know, loving, you said like, you know, me and you chats before, it's people like Gary V you take things on face value. Maybe sometimes that's not really a good idea. There was so much stuff that was going through my head. So it's been a massive transition, a massive journey. It hasn't finished. I mean, I'm just, I mean, I'm rich, literally, like I said some before, it's like I kind of niched into so many different niches that it's like starting all over again. It's really weird. And you've, and all of those, by the way, all those anxieties and fears that you have come crawling right back to you when you start something new. I don't know if you feel like the same, Bob, but like, when I go, I'm going to talk about podcasting now. All this idea of who am I? Why do I, I don't have the right to talk about, it just all came back. And even if you have a really successful business in, in marketing at that point, it was really weird. I think something that I've found is that comfort zones are elastic and that the more you stretch yourself, the more confident and comfortable you become. Once you stop stretching yourself, the comfort zone stops expanding. And it's very much a comfort zone of zones. So you'll be very comfortable in some areas, but very insecure in other areas you haven't probed yet. And definitely I find exactly the same that you can level up to a certain point and then you stop. But if you try and push beyond that, imposter syndrome will come knocking on the door again. And something that I've certainly found is to listen to things like imposter syndrome differently. And they've almost become like a beacon for me that if I start to experience imposter syndrome, then it's no longer being translated by my brain into something that should be avoided. 
but it's something that should be lent into as this is where you need to be growing. And I think that's something I can see you doing, which is, which is why you're on the show, because I think it's such a good role model for so many people. Because as a mortgage broker, you could have built a brilliant business, but it wouldn't necessarily have been fulfilling. Well, that's the thing. Like there was, it wasn't, and it was, that was the issue. The issue I have had in my entire life. And it's a, it's, it's a issue that many people, when I speak about it, people go, oh, poor you. But it is a, like, it's a bad problem is I'm actually quite good at everything I do. And I'll tell you why that is. It's not, it's because of work ethic. So because I'm obsessed with, I get obsessed with something to my detriment. I didn't have a very good social life. I don't do, I just get obsessed. And it's funny, you know, that thing, like the harder I work, the luckier I get. It's one of those type of things where it is very much like that, which means that you can find that an issue I found in my life is I ended up finding myself in very successful situations I didn't want to be in. And that has been these comfort, like you say, and you push out your comfort zone. And and that was being something of being very aware of that and going, okay. And I even did that with my content marketing business. I'm very open about that. Like I love my content marketing consulting business, but it, it, I have to, it's like, what get, what go, oh, sorry, what's the word? Sorry, what got you there will not get you, you know, further. It's like, like yeah. what you hear won't get you there. That's it. What got you here won't get you there. Yeah. And that was this moment of like, it's the same thing. And I think one thing I've learned to get comfortable with, and I'm trying to, is this idea of going, that's really, really good. Let's kill it. <laughs> let's go and do something as in like, let's, let's just kill it off. Let's not do that anymore. Let's do something else. And the amount of people who think that's crazy, is, is, you know, most people, but I'm very lucky that my wife is fully on board because what she's seen time after time, she says, everything you do, it works. So I believe in it, but you have to, I think you have to push, as you said, push those boundaries. And it's this thing I remember watching someone saying, you have to choose growth in the moment. So I try to do, when I look at stuff, I'm thinking, is that growth or is it, is it like comfort? And if it's comfort and I probably shouldn't do it, so I said to you before, I do like daily videos, daily podcasts. I don't like doing that. It's not a very easy thing to do, but, and it, and it stresses me out. But whenever I drop down to the recommended amount that the average, but they say you should do three a week or one a week, I'm not choosing growth in the moment. I'm choosing something that I know I could, I could do 50, I could do a year's worth of content in three weeks. So why push, it's not pushing my boundaries. So that, um, and I'm not saying everyone should do that. When I work with people, I wouldn't tell them to do what I do. It's just push yourself, keep pushing. If you can do one, try and do two. If you can do two, try and do three. It's that type of thing. And I think, again, just because you're doing daily content doesn't make it right for anybody else. Maybe you could go deep rather than wide. Yes. That's another way of looking at things. Something that I was thinking about earlier today, and I'm going to bounce this off you, is this idea of your personal brand. There's, there's this whole thing of your your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. But a lot of people aren't listening. And a lot of people, when they come to personal branding, they create almost like a fiction. And the problem with fiction is there's a lot of friction when you try and create that personal brand rather than trying to uncover it. And that's something I've seen you doing is sort of peeling away the layers to try and understand who you are, what it is that people like about you and lean into that. And I think something a lot of content creators find is that, well, I'll I'll just step back a little bit. You discover your personal brand through other people. They reflect it back to you. It's what do people like about you? What is special about you? What's unique about you? Uncover that, discover it. But the problem is most people don't have that reflection process. 
once you're creating content and you start to get an audience, they reflect it back to you. And at that point, you start learning about your personal brand because it's being communicated to you rather than you making it up. What's that been like for you? I mean, that's, that's such well, like so well put and such a, um, you know, the first episode of me being on here when I was speaking to you, it was all about personal branding. That was one of the things, to be honest, I, I got into personal branding first because that was the narrative I told myself. I said, I am good at doing personal branding. And what was really weird, and, and I've had like a complete 360 on the whole thing. And that's been, that's a crisis in its own right. You know, when you're sitting there going, I've just been saying this for like two years and now I don't really believe it. And um, I believe in personal branding, 100%, but I believe in what you've just said, which was my thing at the time was you can craft your personal brand. You can control it. You can, and you can't. The world is telling you, and this came from like, this came from working with mortgage brokers. They'd be, there was this obsession. I don't know if you feel as this, Bob, but like people have this lock of like, it's the niche. This idea of a niche becomes this, like, I've got to pick it. That's the thing. And I remember saying to a load of brokers and saying, we were chatting about this and they said, well, I've got to try and find my niche. And I said, well, look at the last 50 mortgage cases you did. And what is the average? Because that is your niche. You have a niche before you even like the niche picks. And I would like to refer to it as Harry Potter's wand. The niche has picked you. You don't pick it. And that was really hard because that was this where the podcasting thing came in. I was trying to talk about personal branding and it did okay. And I generated business from it. But really what was happening was in the mortgage world, they were, they knew me as a content marketing guy. They didn't, they weren't interested in building personal brands. They were interested in lead generation and, and building out a content marketing strategy. So I was trying to crowbar in my idea of what, what they need to do. You need to build a personal brand. Well, that stuff only works if they if they have more, if there's only one person in the business if there's more it didn't work so they were telling me that and then when I was trying to put personal branding content onto YouTube and my podcast YouTube's a wonderful thing because you see the data coming back you see the, whether people like it or they don't and it was YouTube Shorts that really helped me like kind of like a, it was like a beacon in my face I I I was putting out daily shorts uh, three a day which was wonderful to gain data. And I started seeing, well, that gets 300 views. That gets 300 views. I'm talking about social media there, talking about videos there. Why has that one got 5,000 views? And I'm talking about podcasting. And then it, and it was all of them. They were all, anything that was over a thousand, they were all podcasting. So then I sat down with my friends and I was like, with my, my content creator friends who are all big YouTubers, which I was very lucky to meet. They said, what do you think of me? They're like, well, you're the podcast guy. Like these massive YouTubers that we would all know. And they're like, well, if I had a question, I'd ask you about podcasting. I was like, really? But I never really thought about it like that. And so that has been a really weird process. Now, the funny thing about that is it's really organic. It feels like it just kind of clicked. It was like, yeah, of course I could talk about this all day, but I didn't want to pick it because I told myself I was the personal branding guy. I mean, so that, that's kind of been my experience. It's been very hard to battle against myself. But the truth is your listeners, your viewers, your audience, your clients, they will tell you what you are. And then you can decide whether that is what you want to be or not. And if it isn't what you want to be, you're not, you don't have to be what they want, but I think you can, you'll start speaking the language that they're using. It's just been a life-changing thing for me, but it's been a battle. You know, it's been a battle because you feel maybe like you've wasted time and you haven't, but it's, it's, it's a journey. I think that's the thing. I mean, 
if you read any of these books about heroes' journeys, and there's lots of them, there is a process you have to go through. You can't jump right to the end in the hero's journey. You have to go through the trials. Otherwise, you don't get the transformation. The hero at the end, if he hasn't been burning in hell for a little while. <laughs> well, I've definitely been burning in hell. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I was thinking as you were talking is as content creators, we have the luxury of an audience who will reflect back to us either in data or in conversation or in comments, what they value most about us. But most people don't have that. And I don't know if, if you've ever, if you ever kept a dream journal? Uh, no, I haven't. No, that's not, I well, found a journal, it's, but that's not cool. It's going to be a really interesting thing to do for anybody that's never done it. I did it for a little while. And what you'll find is if you're somebody who doesn't remember very many dreams, and most people don't, you start when you wake up think, oh, I had a really weird dream. And then you know, you'll probably forget it in 15 minutes. Yeah. If you write it down, you remember it for the whole day. And what you're signaling to the brain is that you value this information so that the brain surfaces your dreams into your conscious waking state more often and you remember them more. Now you can use the same process around your personal brand. And it was actually Ian Anderson Gray. I don't know if you've met I him. I love it. Yeah, I've been on Ian's show. He's great. And he's been on mine. Yeah. He, he gave me this idea. He said he used to keep a journal of all the thing, nice things people said about him. And as, as a human race, we're not very well tuned to listening to the nice things. We're used to paying attention to, is it going to kill me? Can I eat it? Do I need to categorize it? That's all we pay attention to. We don't pay attention to the things that don't fit one of those classifications. So you don't naturally pay attention to the nice things people say about you. You just pay attention to criticism. So as you start recording the nice things people say about you, your brain starts to notice them more often. You pay attention to them and they become part of your identity. And then you'll, you can achieve the same thing that you're experiencing through an audience in a couple of weeks, you'll start to understand, okay, this is what people value. I had no idea. And you can lean into that and it gives you so much confidence. I've, I found that extremely useful when I was at the beginning of my journey. I love, Mike Kim said something to me he, when he came on my show, he said, and which I loved, it's very similar to that. And he said something like when he was going through his journey, I know you've had him, Mike, on the show. He was saying when he was trying to figure out his, who he was and what he was going to do, he wrote down on a piece of paper, and I love this, that he, he wrote down like all of his jobs he'd done and he wrote down all of the things he did in those jobs. So he wrote down the title of the job and then he wrote down the things he did. And he was like, you know, I led the, the cause he worked in a church. I led the choir doing this. And he was like, he said, he worked in these different companies. I um, helped people do this. I taught people how to do this. I managed this. And <clears throat> what he said was he then removed the, what it was so like uh, instead of like the church he removed so it just said i led i managed i teach i manage i teach i led and he said and what you start to realize was that's what you do it's not the job what you do it's the things and um, that was really like one of those moments as well very similar to that where you're like people are saying i'm good at this and i do this every single day and I have done this my entire life and i think when you do that as well you start to realize that the jobs you had or when you feel like you've wasted time doing something else you've not because it's the same thing and that's yeah. been a, that that was a real eye-opener very similar to that another thing that i find as a consequence of leaning into what i would call the zone of genius which i think is something that you've been doing more and more and more is that the more you show up as authentically reflecting your zone of genius the more you will attract the clients who are attracted to you for you for your energy rather than for you as a list of features and benefits 
Is that something that you've found? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been, been the biggest battle, actually. It's been the biggest battle for that because I think in my mortgage side of things, in my content marketing and consulting, which again, some of them might listen to this, some of them, but I'm very open with my clients about this. I was leaning into a features list that I could help them do X, Y, and Z. And it was very profitable as I got better at it. You know, and the thing with that, the financial sector is it's, they have a lot of money and I know how much money they have because I was one. So I could, I had no fear of charging them stuff because I was like, I know how much you make, but it didn't fulfill me. And it was completely the op, as you say, like you listed, and I wasn't building a following. I wasn't building a cult following. I wasn't building a community. I was delivering on a service. And um, that, that was a big, that was a weird kind of moment. You know, and I, I remember I sat with my wife, I, me and my wife very close as it were, of course, we were, but we were very open about this type of stuff. And I said to her, I was like, I don't want to teach people how to do this. I want to do it. I, you know, I've grown these people there. For, and so I think because I, you know, I had clients of mine who's got these diehard fans, but I didn't have any, yes. I didn't, I had a few, but nowhere near the many, you know, like I had clients who were launching courses and, but I couldn't launch a course. And I was like, what, well, why? And it was because I'd fundamentally missed that exact point. You just said that I hadn't. I hadn't attracted my tribe. I hadn't gone after my people. I'd gone after people I knew, and this might resonate with some people, might not. You might go think you're an idiot for thinking this. I'd gone after people that I knew were lucrative and was a very good business proposition and massively made sense on paper. Massive, and, and people who'd speak to you, they'd go, oh my gosh, you're, you know, you say like really well on content, but they'd be like, wow, you've, in, in two years, you've like built this, kind of mini empire and I was like yeah but it's super unfulfilling and actually I, I got more out of doing a live stream where I had to buy me a coffee and someone donated five pounds you yeah. know it's I think weird it's, it's really difficult to describe that to other people but I think and, and you'll find that this niching or, or your personal branding it's not an event it's a journey and there's points on this journey where commercially it can be quite barren but you need to pass through those to get to the points where it's commercially fulfilling as well as personally fulfilling. And a lot of people give up for that reason. And what gets you through it is the service. What gets you through it is the vocation. And I think that's the fuel that you're burning right now. And it's so obvious. And I think that's why the work starts to feel like it's in a flow state, like you said, fulfilling. Yeah. So I really love that. Something I'd like to speak about, I guess, then is the podcasting journey specifically. You're leaning into podcasting at the moment, helping people with that specifically. Mm -hmm. Let's not talk about the mechanics of podcasting, but maybe let's talk about the impact of podcasting. One of the things that I often describe to clients is for those that need a podcast, there, there are so many hidden reasons why you need a podcast. Let's talk about those. Let's, let's not talk about listeners. Let's not talk <laughs> yeah. about that because that's, for many people, a byproduct. What are, what are the main benefits that you found from their podcasting? I mean, gosh, gosh, the, the, the benefits have been, and very much un, it was never planned. I just set, I started a podcast, if like probably like most people do, because I didn't, I was nervous about going on camera. So I started a podcast because it was easier. And I was also nervous about my lack of tech understanding and I knew I could buy a Blue Yeti mic and plug it into a <laughs> computer and it would work. So that for me was how I started it. I did not think it would change my life and it really did change my life. Like, and I think not in the downloads way as you write, because that stuff is just, I talk about you on all my shows. There's a thing you said to me when I 
I was either on your show or you came on mine and you said this thing and I always mention it. And I say, you said to me, you've got to be your number one fan if you're going to do podcasting because it's going to be, you're going to be a number one fan for a very long time. And I like that because it was very true. Now, what when I say about the benefits though, and this is all depends on what you want. The benefits I, that happened for me and then for the guys doing this, for listeners, if you want them, like I, I met people I never would have been able to meet before. I met, and I met people that, like in like circles of influence that you never would ever think you would even have an opportunity to even talk to. There was no way that I would even speak to them. I couldn't afford them on an hourly rate. So how did I have an hour with them? So that was one really good benefit. And then obviously the business side. So the thing I'd say, if you're, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, the, it, it really starts for me with what do you want from it? So if you're a business owner and you're trying to generate leads, then fine. But you have to make sure you make a podcast that does that. You have to make sure your podcast is, if it's to generate leads, then it needs to be about that. I think where people make mistakes with podcasts is that they don't fully understand what this show is for. As yeah. you say, so if it's about leads, which my podcast that I do for Podcast Creators Hub, that is, it's not really leads, but it's about building authority. So it's really a solo show by the odd few interviews, but it's all solo. Now, if it's about networking, which was one of the reasons I loved it. And you said about that, I was a mortgage broker who didn't know anybody in the industry. Interviewing you was a massive breakthrough for me because interviewing you had gave me access to like Mike and get, because I'd been on your show. And so because, and Philip Van Dusen and people, they're all, everyone all of a sudden went, well, if, you know, if, if Bob thinks he's okay. Then, and that was a huge, that just shows the power of it. Like it was, it unlocked doors. And so if you're looking at trying to get into an industry and that's what I said to people all the time for me, if you're looking at trying to get into an industry, if you feel like the gatekeepers, you can't get into it, make a podcast in that industry and reach out to all the key players you possibly can. And I've said this to people so many times. It's a big thing of mine is if you speak to one person a week for a year in that industry, only in that industry, you can change careers. Your entire world could be different. You have, it would change your life. It's super powerful. Or there's also, you know, other benefits as well, like networking in the current industry. You know, there's so many different things, but it is, it's life-changing when approached with the right context behind it, I think. I think one of my guests, I think it was Matt, I forget his surname. He wrote a book called Microfamous. Okay. And I think that really sums it up. What you're saying there is, yeah, if you're, if you want to break into an industry or, or if you're already in an industry, but you're struggling to make your way in it, leverage a podcast and you could find yourself going from the back of that industry to industry leader very, very quickly. You could go from relative unknown to industry authority really quickly because it's every industry is fueled by relationships. And if you're the guy people know, you're the guy people are going to support and if you look at the way, and this sounds really crass, but you look at the way a pack of wolves behaves, they will actively go out their way to shun or maim or kill anything they perceive as weak. Yeah. Anything they perceive as middle of the road, they'll probably ignore. Anything they see as strong, they will gravitate around to support because that support trickles down. And it's all an unconscious process. This is the way groups behave. And a podcast can position you as authority, which by extension, the unconscious sees as strong and worthy of support because what goes around comes around. Everybody knows that. It's 
it, it in the end, well, the beginning, it never meant, I never really thought of it like that. And then I started to see it. And mm. an example of like that, Bob, was I realized that I was a nobody because I started breaking into the, trying to break into the content space, which is all US based. And all the people that you know, we've got very mutual friends now and stuff, but it's very US heavy. I mean, we're, we're, there's not many of us over here in the UK doing it compared to that. And I remember being like, nobody, and then they didn't know who I was and they weren't interested. Why would they? And so what I started to realize was, as you say there, is that don't underestimate people's egos to not feel like they're not in the know. So <laughs> when you get enough people on, it was like Pokemon. You know, you got to catch them all. Like if I got, and I started realizing this, I could have, if I'd got this big YouTuber, then their friends, and I used to call it, I used to call it the strategy. This is really bad. I used to do the strategy that I, it's very much like your wolf. So it will go in this. The strategy that I would use when it is, I'd call it the head of the snake and the weakest gazelle. Are the two <laughs> things you've got to look at when you're going into an industry. Who is, and you've got that pack. Who is the head of the snake? Who is the top key influencer of that small micro niche? If they fall in line, if they jump on your podcast, all of the others will come on because they're, because they've been on. So that's the first thing. That's one way of doing it. So you can go straight for the head of the snake and hope it works. It worked with me for YouTube with that. Because it was like, I went straight, I messaged Nick Nimmin, he came on. Everybody else who went to Nick's lives every Saturday was like, yeah, I'll come on. Because oh, I just had to say, I've had Nick on and it worked. The Weakest Gazelle is a different one. I did that with a guy, um, I won't say his name, but there's a guy like, because it sounds bad. But there's a guy who's very much in the sphere of like Tony Robbins, Grant Cardone, and Gary Vee and stuff in that kind of space. Multi, multi, multi-millionaire, hundreds of millions. But very much the lower end in regards to influence, but in that social circle. Well, he's what I would call the weakest gazelle. So he's the weakest gazelle. I mean, I'd love to be that gazelle in that group. Don't get me wrong, but he is the weaker of that pack. So he's easier to get on a show, but once he's on and he talks to his buddies, then what happens is they might then get, and that's what happened with him. They were like, okay, well I can get you in touch with Grant Cardone's wife. And I was like, really? It's really weird. But that strategy, that weakest gazelle or head of the snake, both work. And it sounds really sneaky, a bit like the packs, but it's not. It's just natural strategy. If you're trying to get into those industries, and then the strategy that I used with this, and Rob Balasabas is a very good friend of mine, and he was one of the, we were chatting about this before. I was talking to him about this last night. I said, nobody is interested in me, but they're interested in themselves. So I bring them on, they talk about themselves. At which point, and you would know this, Bob, better than anybody else, is at the end of the show, we might have a catch up and then they'll say, Ash, what do you do? Yeah. And then I would chat to them and I'll go, Oh, well I do this and I do this. And they go, okay, cool. Uh, a mutual friend of ours, Philip Van Dusen is an amazing example of this. So Philip didn't know who I was. He came on the show. We're chatting but after the show. He's like, oh, okay, cool. He's quite interested. Anyway, he follows me, followed me. Then the next thing you know, you get messages. How are you doing that? How are you doing this? How are you putting out so much content? Then he's sharing me to his mailing list. He because once, as you said, it's that they like strength, they gravitate around it. But if you come in and said, look at me, look what I can do, you'll come across as a threat. But if you say, come on here, be you, talk about this, and then they on their own accord start to watch you and watch what your work is like, then it, it, it's been revolutionary. And it's kind of become a bit of, and I think anyone can do this. If you have really good solo personal brand content that shows your mastery, and pair that with a podcast, that is potent. I think a mistake that people make is thinking if they interview everybody, but they don't have a demonstration of mastery of their own, you just become the guy that interviews everybody. And that that's yeah. a that's a, a you know a place you can fall down a pothole. 
But if you can get those two working together and you know you're good, like you said, your place of brilliance, your place of genius, like you know that, then then oh my gosh, doors can open because they'll like it's insane. And the, and those big people, if you're interested in like followers and subscribers, these big people do not care about those things. They don't care. They care about work. Impact. Yeah. And the so if they the see you with once 10 subscribers, I couldn't get my head around it. These guys have got million subscribers and they were chatting to me with like with 300 and they, but, and they were asking me and it's the same with you, you know, it's the same thing because they aren't interested in the numbers. <laughs> and if they are, then that's a big sign, by the way, that guys to anyone's listening that, that you probably shouldn't speak to them. <laughs> I think what you're describing there, it could be summed up in lots of different ways, but essentially it boils down to generosity is a winning strategy. Mm. Generosity with your time, with demonstrating other people's value with your own knowledge and your own solo content giving first to get later on yeah. yeah what goes around comes around but if you don't put it out it's not going to come back so i think that's that's really exciting to hear i really enjoyed speaking about that there was a few things in there i hadn't really thought about before so what's next for you what are you working towards at the moment the goal is to go all in on on youtube and podcasting that is the goal like there's there's literally it's, it's literally nothing else. And <laughs> it sounds silly, but like I've met that, that jump of a cliff. I, I think it's all kind of been leading up to this moment. This, all this stuff has been leading up to, to finally embracing, like my background is as was a mortgage broker, but before that was performing arts. And, and it kind of, it's, it felt like to me up until last year, it all was leading up into this point where it was like, okay, you need to now really step up and show the world what you really can do. And, um, and that's what it is. And that for me is a YouTube channel called podcast creators hub, but it is a daily that that YouTube channel is also a podcast. So it's a video podcast, but it is shot like YouTube videos. So you wouldn't know it yeah. looks like video and then it looks like, or, and then, it, and then it's, but it's, it's audio first. So there's no real demonstrations. It's, it's a strategy done and it's seven days a week, you know, no breaks. And it is, and my goal for that is, um, you know, I want to be the biggest YouTube account and the big, not the biggest, but the most known, the most influential in the podcasting space. If I'm, and it sounds very over the top and normally I'd like, I'd never say that, but I have met people who've done it and I know it's possible and I truly believe I can do it. So that's the goal. And I think a lot of people would listen to that and think that's potentially very arrogant. Yeah. And I think what I can imagine is there's two ways you can approach that. You can approach it as the arrogant expert who doesn't accept he's still got a lot to learn, or you can approach it as the student or the person yeah. that's sharing what they discover. And I think that's the thing with experts is there is no expert that's finished. There is no well, final word on knowledge. It's really all about discovery. And you might have a PhD, but you're a PhD student. Remember that. <laughs> Yeah, I think expertise is all relative to the person that you're teaching. And this is why it's so important for anyone to understand you can be a teacher. You can create content to show where you are, what you know, and build as you go. And I think you're a brilliant example of that. And that, I mean, you're very right. So that, that arrogance thing has been something that I've always been like, oh, I can't say that and I shouldn't say that. I do not know everything about podcasting, not at all. What I do know, though, and I think you're so right there, Bob, for your, for your listeners to understand this is I have seen my life and my clients' lives and people I've known who are friends who I've told this, my life changed when I made daily content. And I'm not saying everyone should, but this is where my life changed. 
when I picked up a book or I picked up a blog and I, and I started to, and what I would do is I would talk about the thing that I was learning. And it, that was what I'd do. I'd, every day I would learn one new thing and I would make a video on it. And that's how I became an expert in everything else I've done. Because if you do that for two or three years, every single day, you will be blown away by how much you know. And so yeah. that's where I mean with mine is I am not the best podcast coach. I am not the best. This is a whole new thing. I only really figured it out about three months ago. This is what people want. So I have been researching, listening, doing everything I can. And then what I've done with the YouTube channel, which I think people, and anyone who might resonate with this, I've gone back and forth on that channel trying it. Does this show me the best way? Does this make me look good? Does this make me look like the expert? Will people, if a brand sees this, will they feel like I know what I'm talking about? Until I sat down and went, I just need to document it. I just need to make videos every day. And what will happen is just like you've said, which is mean, it meant so much hearing you say this, but it's people watch and it takes years. And if someone looks at my channel and goes, Oh my gosh, this, cause I do a, two videos technically because I do shorts as well. So I do seven videos. It's 14 videos a day a week um, and a podcast episode, which is transcribed and uploaded. Like it's, it's, you know, it, it, it's, it's focusing all energy into one thing. But you know, if I can do that, like my, then there the, the can't be something like anything that I cannot cover. And, I, and it just gets to this point where I'm like, just to be able to look at my own channel in five years time and go, gosh, I don't really realize I knew that stuff because that was something I never did. And I wish I'd done that. So. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to see what you're doing. <laughs> if people want to connect with you, how would you like them to do that? How can, how can they connect with you? Yeah. Best place to connect. Um, if you want to get all the best content I make and all the stuff that's all on YouTube and that's podcast creators hub. I'd absolutely love for you guys to subscribe to that if you want to, but you know, subscribe if you really want to don't subscribe if you just think oh, i'll give them some, some support because <laughs> I, I i want like curated good viewers on there who really want to learn from that um if you want to connect with me and ask me questions and stuff to be honest with you the best place is instagram i don't use instagram really as a creator but what i found is it's a wonderful place for connections and to be able to like see what you guys are up to and answer messages so you very much use instagram and that's at ash borland they're the two places, YouTube and um, Podcast Creators Hub and then at Ashball and for Instagram. And my last question, what's one thing you do now that you wish had started five years ago? I wish I had uploaded everything I did to YouTube. <laughs> I wish I had documented. I've been making content daily since 2017. I've never missed a day and I have nothing to show for it. Obviously, I have a lot to show for it as a business, but I have no library of content to show what I did, how I did it. And I think that has been, as I met more and more big YouTubers and more and more successful people who do this as a career, as, as, as a content creator, when I say do it, they're not, they're not coaches. They're just brand sponsors and, and you know, speaking gigs and things like that. I, what the one common denominator was that they had all done it for five to five to eight years and they'd been uploaded. They didn't wait to, be perfect to upload they just did it and it was one of those weird moments where you look and go oh my gosh i've been uploading the same amount of time as you have where would i have been if i actually had done that so that is don't make that mistake because it is one i'm paying for now i mean uh, whoever listens to this do not make that mistake yeah i think the whole thing of what's the best time to plant a tree 25 years ago <laughs> was the next best time it's like literally right now yeah <laughs> Ash, you have been an awesome guest. I've had a great time. 
I can't wait to see you again soon. And I think I'm going to have you back to talk about YouTube sometime because we didn't really talk about that very much. Yeah, we should talk about I could talk about that forever. I love it. But for the moment, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Before I go, just a quick reminder to subscribe and join our Facebook group. You'll find a link in the show notes or visit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders. Also connect with me wherever you hang out. You'll find me on all the social platforms at Bob Gentle. If you enjoyed the show, then I would love a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It would make my day. And if you shared the show with a friend, you would literally make my golden list. My name is Bob Gentle. Thanks to you for listening. And I'll see you next week. 